the thing that COVID has brought to a head for us as a community, how important it is to take the right precautions and listen to the right authorities. And the first law that we operate on, I think, is listen to your doctor first and foremost before you listen to somebody else that has the latest silver bullet or supposed silver bullet for a cure. Even when lockdowns are lifted, there's still need to shield from COVID, especially for patients living with pulmonary fibrosis or any other chronic lung condition. That's Dr. Letitia Kawano Dorado and Bill Vick discussing what the novel coronavirus means for people with pulmonary fibrosis. I'm Daniel Sinner, and welcome to a special episode from Boehringer Ingelheim on COVID-19 and the effect on the pulmonary fibrosis community. In this podcast, we look at the novel coronavirus with Bill Vick, who is IPF and is the founder of Pulmonary Fibrosis Warriors, the world's largest community of people dealing with pulmonary fibrosis. Also joining us is Dr. Letitia Kawano Dorado, a pulmonologist that currently works at Hôpital Bichat at Paris Diderot University. We'll turn first to Dr. Kawano Dorado. Novel COVID-19 is a term that we've heard a lot about, yet the meaning behind the name is something that may be less clear to some people. Could you explain why COVID-19 is often described as novel? So, hi everyone. Thanks for the invitation to be here. Um, So, the novel coronavirus was definitely named as SARS-CoV-2. And uh, previous to that, to that uh, more definite, uh, definitive understanding of the virus, it was named novel coronavirus because it didn't fit in the category of the other previous coronavirus. The SARS-CoV-2 name has been arrived at because the virus is related genetically to the coronavirus, which was responsible for the severe acute respiratory syndrome. SARS epidemic in 2003. And the name Corona comes from the Latin word crown, and that's how it looks like in the electron microscope. So the reason why in the beginning of the pandemic, we called SARS-CoV-2 novel coronavirus was that because the scientists were still figuring out what was the place of this coronavirus within the coronavirus family. Now we have a definite name, which is SARS-CoV-2. We also have an additional name, COVID-19. Could you tell us the difference between the names and and why we have the number 19 in this one? Absolutely. So COVID-19 is an acronym for the coronavirus disease, for the disease caused by the SARS-CoV-2. And the number 19 stands for the year that it was officially first reported, 2019. So that's why it's called, the disease is called COVID-19. And the agent that causes this disease is SARS-CoV-2. Now, if we can turn to Bill, um, you obviously live with IPF. You are connected to a lot of people in the pulmonary fibrosis community through PF Warriors. Um, how specifically has um, the novel coronavirus affected your life? Well, thank you, Daniel, and hello to everybody. I, I, I'm not sure I could list all of the ways. It's it's kind of like 
looking at our lives, first and foremost, uh, not as patients, but as people. But we're unique because we're compromised in a different way. We're already fighting one life-threatening battle with fibrosis. Now it's complicated with a second COVID. And the impact that I've seen uh, with patients worldwide, uh, and I talk to many, many patients every day, is, is this you know, fear and uncertainty, questions, uh, confusion. Uh, they're not getting the kinds of answers they need to know about their next steps. So anytime that happens, you have doubt. And uh, I think the big thing that I'm seeing that no one talks about, it's it kind of the, the elephant in the room, is the mental side of this whole disease. We know the physical side. We all look at the stats and numbers in this community. It's a well-educated community. But nobody really talks about the depression and anxiety that accompanies it. I see that as big a threat as the health issues. And many of our patients are struggling with the what to do next. We have to be a little extra cautious. We have to be more than simply distant. We have to be more than simply masked up or washing our hands or taking care of ourselves. We have a whole level of complexities. You know, we have patients that have not been out of their house now for almost a year. They've been housebound. They can't see their grandkids. They can't see their children. They can't see their neighbors or friends. So they're really isolated to an extreme uh, degree. I'm not sure what the answer is to that. Personally, I'm seeking it because I'm hoping that uh, doctors like Dr. Dorado and others uh, can help us understand our next steps and how to deal with more than the medical issues that go with this disease. Dr. Dorado, you've obviously had a, a lot of firsthand experience working in Brazil during this time. What do you think about what Bill has said and what would be your approach to helping deal with that issue that Bill mentioned, the next step in dealing with the mental health issues around uh, the isolation? So Bill Bill has mentioned a very important uh, aspect, sometimes uh, not uh, that it has not received enough attention from healthcare providers, which are the emotional aspects of the pandemic on patients, on our patients. So I see, as Bill said, many of my patients uh, having emotional problems due to isolation, fear of catching COVID and uh, postponing important appointments uh, or important decisions to be made, like exchanging um, treatment regimens or scaling up treatment regimens so that all these, all these ongoing challenges, additional challenges uh, have really uh, burdened the patients emotionally. And uh, from my perspective, the way I've been trying to, and I think not only me, but I have seen many colleagues discussing about that, is the role of uh, um, virtual appointments. So as a way to provide the patient some, um, some advice, some counseling in a way that the patient can feel a bit more uh, safer and to reduce the emotional stress because part of the emotional stress is also has also to do with uh, 
the huge amount of information that we are available to from TV, internet, social media, and there is no filter, no one to discuss with uh, to which extent that applies to us, uh, to the patients, to their families, and in specific aspects of life, what should be the best decision? Bill, how do people as part of your PF Warriors community um, and also yourself living with IPF feel at this time? Outside of fear, we have that. But I, I think we're actually all doing pretty well. Uh, one of the, there's, there's good and bad in everything. And, and typically, I think most patients look for the rainbow in the, in the rainstorm. And we're finding things like, example, uh, and keeping in mind that most of us, the majority at this point in time, have been uh, isolated or taking precautions for almost a year. So things that have come to the forefront for us that are very positive things are things like Zoom. Uh, a year ago, if I had mentioned to somebody up here, uh, let's do a Zoom meeting, they'd have to say, what's that? Well, now they say, what time? And that's been a huge influence on communications and addressing the sense of isolation for us as a community. As a group, we do, as an example, we do uh, two to four Zoom meetings a month with our members at different times and places and, and, and topics. It's been a way for people to get educated and motivated. And, and one of the things that, uh, just to touch on briefly, I think Dr. Dorado said is about the filtering that takes place through professionals. We don't pretend to be professionals or even junior doctors, but we do offer the ability to filter based on our membership aggregately. It's kind of a, the concept that, uh, that we are always smarter than me, and we have members that are well-educated and well-up-to-date uh, uh, on, on not just COVID, but also living with it. So we have meetings about living, not dying. You know, dying's easy. Living is hard, and the thing that COVID has brought to a head for us as a community, how important it is to take the right precautions and listen to the right authorities. And the first law that we operate on, I think, is listen to your doctor first and foremost before you listen to somebody else that uh, has the latest silver bullet or supposed silver bullet for a cure. I think you're absolutely right, Bill. Um, and it's, it's time and time again, what we're hearing is that it's the precautions that individuals can take that is um, going to help people through this. Um, and I, I just wondered, um, back to you, Dr. Dorado, what one of the biggest precautions people can take is, is wearing a mask. What effect does wearing a mask have? Um, and specifically with COVID-19, is respiratory transmission occurring? So a mask, wearing a mask is a central piece in uh, controlling COVID-19 transmission. It's not the only measure you should take, but it's the central measure around which other things um, can, be, can be performed, like hand hygiene, uh, uh, distancing, physical distancing. The mask, so we're talking about, the, about a disease that, that is transmitted 
through respiratory droplets. So that means that if you put a mask in front of your nose, in your mouth, you, you are protecting the environment you are in, the room, the, the subway, the metro train, the car you're in. You're protecting that environment from getting the droplets from your mouth and your nose. Now think with me, if everybody in that place does that, wear a mask. Everybody's wearing a mask. So the environment is much safer for everyone, for you included. So the mindset that uh, one that anyone should have when putting a mask on is not first and foremost to be protected from someone that's going to contaminate you, but rather it's the same mindset a surgeon has when in the operating room. Why a surgeon wear, wears a mask in an operating room? To protect this, the body of the patient, which is open, from being contaminated from his or her droplets, respiratory droplets. So that's why we wear a mask. It's something that makes sense when everybody else's does. And uh, that's the reason it should be a measure adopted by the whole society in order to protect us. Totally, absolutely agree with you, Dr. Dotto. And I, I love the surgeon metaphor. I'll, I'm going to steal it and call it my own. Is that our, our, our belief is, and the message we try to convey is, please wear a mask, if not for you, for us. I think that's one really great way where um, support groups like PF Warriors come in. Um, and I know that I've, I'm a member of some support groups um, and we hear this time and time again about people sharing tips for staying physically healthy, staying mentally healthy, um, you know, whether it's drawing or talking to someone. What are the kind of tips, Bill, that you're seeing on your um, within your group for people to stay? I, I'm, so, I'm so glad you asked, Daniel, because I'm sitting here just anxious to share this. Yeah, We have what we call our, our four pillars of living with pulmonary fibrosis. I'll, I'll talk about them briefly, and then I'm going to talk about it's now four plus three, and four plus three is our new mantra. And four plus three is the four are first, listen to your doctor before others. Secondly, eat right, eat a balanced diet, eat right. Next is move, exercise, every day strive to move as much as you can and maybe a little more. And, and fourth is think right, meaning practice meditation if that fits your lifestyle. Practice awareness, but take care of yourself and think right. The new three is wear your mask, keep your distance, and wash your hands. And that four plus three is our, our direction to our membership and to each other about living with not just pulmonary fibrosis, but this new world we're evolving into that is going to be post-COVID. Bill, how are you communicating this kind of advice to the people that are members of PF Warriors? Well, uh, because our concept, very simply put, is we don't talk to, we talk with as an organization. And we have a constant, a constant flow of dialogue between each other, each member to member, member of the group, group of the members. We do that on an ongoing basis daily. 
daily. We're doing some form of communication. Uh, some of it may be by email. It may be a newsletter. Some of it may be a video presentation or a video meeting with dialogue going both directions. It may be simply a one-to-one mentor call. Our mentors will reach out and talk to people or answer questions. So we're, we're trying to approach it not as one problem and one solution, but one problem with many solutions, and we're bringing many minds together to do that. And I think the big thing that needs to happen worldwide is for more patients to engage with other patients and share this knowledge and wisdom they've gained through the experience of living with something like COVID. Bill, how about from a um, perspective of people living with pulmonary fibrosis? How do they feel about heading into public spaces again where lockdowns are being lifted? Um, and again, in countries where lockdowns are being re-implemented, um, how are people feeling that you're talking to through PF Warriors? Uh, I think the, <clears throat> the, the typical patient, if such a thing exists as a typical patient, uh, expects to be wearing a mask for a long time, a long time regardless of the uh, decline of active COVID cases, <clears throat> we've been kind of uh, uh, galvanized in the action of wearing a mask as one way to keep living. And I think the mask is going to simply be something that's there for some, maybe forever, I'm not sure. But I think masking up, uh, distancing, handshaking, for me, I don't even, I used to kind of automatically reach out to shake someone's hands now, don't even think about it because I've now been trained to do something different. I think that trend is going to stick around. I think you're going to see social issues change, uh, shaking hands, hugging, uh, doing things that we did before without thinking twice about, going to large parties. You won't see too many patients that go to any party of any kind, shape, or form in the next maybe forever that won't be masked up or aren't taking distance precautions or aren't washing their hands and taking care of themselves. It's now a fact of our lives. It's simply one other part of this disease, not the only part. We have other problems we're facing. We just talk all day about diagnosis and treatments and all of that. But this particular disease is impacted us long-term, not short-term. It's interesting what Bill just said, because uh, I totally agree with him. There's uh, even when lockdowns are lifted, there's still need to shield from COVID, especially for patients living with pulmonary fibrosis or any other uh, lung, chronic lung conditions. And why is that? Because the lockdowns are lifted, because COVID transmission was controlled, not eradicated. Meaning when people are back out on streets, on shops, etc., the transmission will rise back again. And we have just seen that in France. So for those with risk factors until a significant proportion of the population is vaccinated, my advice is to continue shielding like it was done before, even when restrictions are reduced. Do you think that's how doctors are going to adapt their advice to patients where lockdown measures are being lifted to help them stay safe, that they should continue to shield? And do you think there are any other precautions that doctors might advise patients to do? 
Absolutely. So I think that should be the advice, the main advice. So lockdowns are lifted, but you please still shield because COVID is still around. Other measures that are necessary. So get vaccinated. The flu vaccine, even though the flu activity is low uh, um, during the COVID season, even still, please protect yourself from flu. Keep all the other measures that we've been using to protect ourselves from COVID, like hand hygiene, physical distancing, and uh, of course, wearing a mask. Plus, my advice is to avoid um, other triggers of disease exacerbation. So, for example, avoid contact with uh, mold, fungus, with feathers, especially on the winter months. Avoid uh, feather bedding, feather clothes, uh, feather pillows, um, smoking. Please stop smoking, even though most of our patients are not smoking anymore when they when they have the diagnosis of ILD. So please stop smoking. All of the other risk factors uh, that um, are a threat to their lungs should be addressed. Finally, and it's, it's, it's as important as any other measure, is to keep uh, active, even if it, it's the physical activity is being done at home, it is important to keep yourself active and emotionally balanced. And, and also to find some time for some emotional hygiene, emotional hygiene. So the same way we care for our bodies, we should care for our minds. I would say, be kind to yourself. It's okay not to feel okay. This is a lot for all of us. So if that is happening to you, you're not feeling okay, the first thing is be kind, be gentle. Second, um, for those that are feeling a significant emotional impact, seeking for a professional help might be a good idea. So please consider that. That's not, uh, that's, that doesn't mean you, you lost it, you're lost, that you're a loser. That, that's a good thing to do. So when we need help, please seek for help. Maybe a, psycho, a psychological help, psychiatric help, why not? And third, my advice would be to set out a daily routine. So a daily routine helps our brain to get some, um, some anchors on, in reality that help us not to be drawn into too much negative thinking and etc. So pleasant activities, some exercise, make sure that physical isolation doesn't mean social isolation. So please connect with others, as Bill said, through Zoom calls, telephone, family and friends. Why not? You mentioned something quite interesting um, there, Dr. Dorado. People still need to continue getting support. And that just got me thinking about the regular hospital appointments that people will still have during this time. Should people still attend if they're worried about going outside? That's a good question, but that depends on a few things that you should consider. First, how bad is COVID locally? And also, how urgent is the need for an appointment? So, for example, if COVID transmission is on an accelerated phase going up really bad 
and your demand is not really urgent, maybe you should consider postponing it. On the other hand, if it's an urgent demand, you should not postpone your appointment. How do you know that? So this fine tune on searching for the best answer for each patient, I would say it needs to be done together with your doctor. So please reach out through telephone, talk to your doctor about uh, how is COVID around you, what is the demand, so that you can uh, make this decision together in the best way possible. Bill, how, how are patients that you're talking to feeling about their uh, usual regular hospital appointments? Well, many are abandoning them or trying to do it via telemedicine. The big problem we have on the medical side is our pulmonary function testing. Uh, that's not readily available as a doctor may be. And we have situations here where I live in Dallas, Texas, where patients have to drive 45 or 50 miles to their PFT test. Doesn't sound like a big deal until you consider being a 90-pound woman hauling five tanks to her car, two for the trip down and two for the trip back and two for the trip while she's there, and it takes on a whole new dimension. And that's the, I think, one of the big, big problems we, we're trying to address. We're not sure how to do it. We've been trying to work with other organizations and companies. We're trying to work with the associations and foundations that work with pulmonary rehab and how to do that. There hasn't been a clear-cut solution or answer yet, but it's one of our, our uh, I'm going to call it our buckets of opportunity. I was just going to agree with Bill that uh, the, the, the closing of pulmonary function uh, labs are a real problem for ILD patients and, and physicians because we really rely on FVC DLCO measurements uh, in order to, in order to uh, to get the bigger picture of the patient and and make decisions. And the labs close when COVID is bad around uh, around the lab, so. That's a big problem. We end up without this information. For patients that uh, before the pandemic already had access to home spirometry, that, that is something good that uh, helps. But for those that were not uh, familiar with home spirometry, both physicians and patients, it is hard to put it in place. You know, I was on a call this morning before our, our chance to chat and talk here uh, with a couple of doctors, uh, Kevin Brown at National Jewish Health and Simon Walsh at Brompton, England, and a few others. And it's, it's a pervasive problem that the doctors are aware of, uh, but even with home spirometry, and I do that myself, I've got my my spirometer and my pulse ox, and, and I have all the, the, quote, toys you might want for that process. I know in my heart it's not as accurate as I might like to see from a center that's got calibrated instrumentation and, and knowledgeable staff that can help guide me through my PFTs. It's a real problem, and it, it needs, it's a problem that needs a solution, be it pre-current or post-COVID. We have to find a way to accommodate because I think it's one of the great 
kind of a hidden elephants in the room on living with a uh, interstitial lung disease or maybe any lung condition, particularly if you're in a chronic or advanced stage. Um, just thinking about what you were saying, Bill, um, made me think about people who are monitoring their condition for progression. How do people distinguish between COVID-19 symptoms and um, any other symptoms for other diseases that they might have, Dr. Dorado? So this is this is an important question. So anything anything that is new, so the patient the patient is used to a range of symptoms, let's say like that. And if there's something new, no matter what it is, if it's an increase in dyspnea and breathlessness, or a new cough, or um, stuffed nose, or maybe some just not feeling well, you might get a fever, then that's something that deserves attention, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, There is one symptom that is quite uh, specific of COVID-19 and uh, that we now know is the loss of smell. So this is definitely one important characteristic of COVID-19. However, not all people infected with COVID get that. So that should also be acknowledged. For patients uh, living with uh, chronic lung diseases, my advice is that if new symptoms or worsening symptoms uh, show up, please contact your doctor just to check if anything needs to be done at that moment. How about if people are worried that they may have a respiratory issue, um, even if the symptoms don't align with that of COVID? Should they still seek medical advice? So my take is if there's COVID transmission in your area, the best first way to seek for medical advice is through virtual means. So through telephone, a a Zoom call. After you discuss this first, uh, after you have the chance to discuss this first uh, set of symptoms or respiratory issues that are ongoing, then you will decide again together with your doctor if you should go to the hospital or not. Just to avoid risking yourself to catch COVID due to something that is not uh, really important. As we reach the end of this um, discussion on the novel coronavirus, I, I wanted to get from both of you what your parting message to the pulmonary fibrosis community is um, whilst living during this particular time. We'll start with you, Dr. Dorado. So the main message for now, we are about to get to the beginning of the end of the pandemic with the vaccination. So please take a deep breath. Keep protecting yourself, shielding. Now we're getting close to the end. So don't don't uh, relax on your measures, on your protective measures that you're taking, because soon we're going to be uh, starting to see COVID-19 going away with the vaccination. So please stay safe, stay sane, and uh, let's go.
And a uh, final word to you, Bill Vick from PF Warriors. I've been struggling with the, uh, a crisp message, Daniel. Uh, I, I think it's more of the same. Be smart, be informed, live your life the best way you can. Listen to what your doctors are talking about. Eat right, move right, think right, mask up, keep your distance, wash your hands, and keep hope. And hope is the big word here for all of us. And I think this discussion today will go a long way for many people in solving that. Thank you so much for joining us today, Bill and Letitia, and sharing your advice on the novel coronavirus with our listeners. Thank you. Thank you. As always, please follow the advice from your doctor and local government on staying safe during the pandemic. If you enjoyed this episode, then click subscribe and get access to our podcast series, Journeys Through Pulmonary Fibrosis. In each episode, we give a voice to a guest from the pulmonary fibrosis community who will share their experiences and stories with us.